0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you, guys, for joining us this morning. Please stand with me as we come together and worship God through song. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of Glory. The King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder. Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place. Worthy is a king who conquered the grave, worthy is a lamb who was slain, worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would I sing for all that you've done for me. Please be seated.
1: Good morning, EBC. We are so glad you're here today and online. Um, today's announcements are going to be short and sweet. Uh, Share the Bounty is such a great idea. It is so much fun. It's just right off the foyer. You'll want to go by and check out some delicious vegetables because vegetables are good for you. You really need your vegetables. Now it may be longer because I need to talk to you about vegetables. It's on the food group, and it's the big part of the food group. You should eat more vegetables. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, No classes tonight. Monday, uh, the August 7th at 6.30, the MBA Preaching Workshop. If you haven't had a chance to look at the Illinois Baptist paper, there's an article about it. You should read that. Wednesday, August 9th at 6.30, business meeting. So come and be a part of it. You are super important and super important to be there. So come to the business meeting Wednesday night, followed by prayer and share. Thursday, August the 10th is the quilting group. These girls are so talented and hardworking. And if you want to learn from some of the best, you need to come on Thursday at 10.30. So at this time, I would ask my husband, Mark Gwillem, to please come and pray for us today.
2: I won't even try to follow that energy. Uh, I see it way too much. Um, I don't know if I should be thankful or a little bit worried that Cliff asked me to pray because he said we're short on deacons today, which is a good thing because we need to remember um, Glenn and Sharon and Charlie and Jeanette that have been up in Chicago all week doing mission trip and reaching out to that community. And Randy Darr, that's been Dominican Republic and coming back tonight or tomorrow. He's been down there all week reaching to the people there, and thankfully his expertise is soil samples, and they actually reached out to him to ask about helping them farm. And then he's got to preach today twice, which is not his comfort zone. So let's please remember him in prayer also. So let's please go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, today I ask you to be with us to to bless um, all your wonderful children that are in your house today here. And all over the state and the country and the world, Lord, that they're reaching out for you, trying to spread your word. For the, that's what we need to do, is, is reach every lost soul that we possibly can, Lord. For there may be people in this house today that don't know you, that we ask that you uh, open their heart and their ears to the message that Cliff is about to give them. I ask you at this time to be with Cliff, that you'll be with the message, that it'll come from his heart, and we know it does. And you'll be with Adam as he leads the music today we these things in your name, Lord. Amen.
0: Okay. Please stand with me once again as we come together and worship through song. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great This is yes and amen, you will do great things, oh God you do great things. Oh hero of heaven, you conquered the grave, you free every captive and break every chain. Your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Your name name lived in in I.O. the next.
3: All right, so we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4 this morning. Jonah chapter 4, thank you for being here. Uh, This is the fourth message from Jonah. If you've not watched all of them or heard all of them, you can go back online and look at those. This I want to give to you this morning, as we talk about this, we're talking about Jonah as we walk through Jonah, we've not focused so much on Jonah as much as we focused on what God was doing. So I want to share this with you. It's also in, if you do the, the Bible app and you hit, uh, you can find our location, this event. I think it's under events, and you'll find Emmanuel Baptist Church. And all this information is in there. But this, this phrase, gracious and compassionate God, actually is a quote from. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. Okay, so that's where God originally gave it. That's where it's recorded for us. It's repeated in numbers. It's also, you'll find it peppered throughout the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 86, 103 and 145, you'll find it there. And you'll also find, not only did Jonah quote this, but so did Joel and Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes much later. And they quote this idea that God is a a gracious and compassionate God and slow to anger. So just so you know where that comes from, this isn't something Jonah made up. This is something Jonah the prophet knew from his study of the Old Testament. So just so you know that. So here we are. Uh, Jonah, when you when you think of Jonah, what do you think about the fish, right? We already, already been over mentioned Mention Jonah, you're gonna get the fish. You're gonna, it's a fish story, right? And so I love this quote, and I'm going to give you another quote at the end, but I love this quote. This story involves more than being swallowed by a fish. But, you, you know, but it's, it's just hard to get past a fish, isn't it? Because okay? I don't know anybody that's been inside the belly of a fish, all right? And, and survived to talk about it, okay? Uh, there have been people in the side of the belly of a fish. They just didn't live, okay? So we've got to get that out there. Now, Jonah is a great story to tell. It's an easy story to tell. You know, you want to tell a Bible story? You want to impress your friend? I tell you a Bible story. There's this guy, Jonah. God wanted him to go to Nineveh. He decided to go the other way. He decided he'd be like a guy that was, God wants you to go to New York, and you decide to go to L.A., Right? You go the furthest away from where God sent you. That's what he did. But God got hold of him, and he, he's on a boat, and the storm comes up, and then he gets thrown. They, they throw him into the ocean, into the sea. The storm goes away, but so does Jonah. But he gets swallowed up by a fish. It's like, just don't wait, folks. It's not over yet. We still have a couple more episodes, right? It's your, it's your TV show. To be continued as you see the fish swallow him up. Then we have Jonah inside of the whale, or inside of the fish, right? Inside of the fish uh, and, and praying, which should be a good thing, right? When you're in, in a bind, isn't that what we do? That's what Jonah did. And that fish spits him out close to Nineveh. And he makes his trip to Nineveh. He preaches there, and the people repent. Now, I want to I ask you a story, because that's pretty much where the story ends, right? Whenever you tell the story about Jonah, who talks about a plant? Jonah is about a plant, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's, like, it's like the sequel that nobody watched, right? It's chapter 4. And so here we go. We're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about the plant today because that might be the core of what we're going to read here. So the story is easy to tell, but let's get the whole story. We're going to do that today. Jonah, by the way, is a historical figure. He's referred to in, in 2 Kings 14. Why do I say that he's a historical figure? It's this because there are scholars, even biblical scholars, that will read something in the scripture and they think that's too far out. It has to be a made up story. It couldn't have really happened. I want you to know that God can do the incredible, the things that are outside of the bounds of what we understand could actually happen, God can do. One of these days, the trumpet's going to blow and the dead in Christ, people coming out of the graves who've been there for hundreds, thousands of years, those bodies, I don't know how, but they're coming back out. That's impossible, but God's going to do it. And if I'm alive when that happens, I'm going to fly. I can jump about three inches off the ground, okay? One day I'm going to fly. That's impossible, because, but because I read it in the Scripture, I know that it happens. So Jonah is a real guy. He was in a real fish. Maybe someday he'll tell you the story. Okay? This book is also interesting, and he's a prophet, one of the minor prophets. Usually when we read the prophetic books, the Isaiah, the Jeremiah, the Daniel, the Ezekiel, on down to Micah, as we read those, we usually read the message that God has given, and that becomes a central part of the book. Jonah is unique in the fact that the experiences and the reactions become the message. What, you know, we, can, we read the message 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's the message that, that we have that God gave to him that's recorded in the book of Jonah. That's small in comparison to the experiences that Jonah had. And so then those, the, we've got to learn from those experiences of what was going on there. This, interestingly enough, when we play music up here, just one more thing, before, when we play music up here, we play a song by Toby Mac, City on the Hill, and in there, uh, because I don't know how else you'd find it, Okay, and uh, there is a quote from Billy Graham about the greatest revival in all of history occurred in Nineveh. And when you think about that for a second, when you read the book of Jonah... Jonah was sent to Nineveh, which was the enemy. These were not God's people. There were were no churches there. They worshipped all kinds of gods, but not the God of Israel. These people were considered evil. That's why Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah walks through there not wanting anything to happen, and we'll get to that. And he gives them a, a, a short message. It doesn't say anything about repenting. But yet that whole city, from the king on down, repented. When we are praying for revival, we're praying for God to change our country. God is capable of doing that. And we need, that. We need not to sell him short as we're praying. If he could change Nineveh, he can change Illinois. He can change the United States. He can change the world. So when you pray for that revival don't don't limit him to a couple people. Okay? Let's raise the bar there and see what happens. So we're going to read out of Jonah chapter 4. We're going to read all 11 verses. This is one of those books when you want to make yourself feel good about reading the Bible, you can say you can sit down there's four chapters somewhere over somewhere around 50 60 verses. You can read all those verses and be done with it and say, "I read a book of the Bible today." Okay? And so just, just, just a little hint there. So here we are in chapter 4, verse 1. I'll be reading out of New American Standard. It's on the screen. If you're online, it's down here. Otherwise, you've got it there in your Bibles, whether it's electronic or paper. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. What's he angry at? He's angry that they repented. Okay? He prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade while, until, he could, until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But but God appointed a warm. When dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to, become, to be angry about the plan? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plan for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Shall I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. Now, as we walk through that chapter 4, we kind of get introduced to an expansion of what we've already learned, we've already seen, but it's taken to another level. In this chapter, God converses. God has a conversation. We've talked about from chapter 1 through chapter 3 that God listens. God heard the the sailors that were on the ship. God heard Jonah when he was in the depths of the ocean and while he was in the fish. God heard the people of Nineveh. When we get to chapter 4, God hears Jonah again but in this passage, we see that God has a conversation with him. Not only does God listen, he talks. Okay, not only does God listen, he talks. Do you, he, he, God asks the question. Did you notice that? God asks the question of Jonah. And he's, he, he's asking so that Jonah can respond. Do you have reason to be angry? Do you have reason to be angry? And he says, oh, Lord, please, right? He, he, they're having a conversation. God and Jonah are having this conversation. And they're having that con- They had the conversation about the people, the city, and they had the conversation about the plant. And they had the conversation about, um, um, when he's talking about the plant, about the compassion that he had for the plant and about the compassion that God has for the people. Now, what's that mean? Because I don't know that you are going to have a conversation about a plant with God. But here's the thing I want you to understand. That God can have a conversation with you. How many of you are good at asking God for things? I got a prayer list, right? There's paper prayer list printed on and at the door's. And on it, his request for us to ask a lot uh, we're asking a lot of things. We're asking for the, 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 we're asking for Randy as he preaches this day in languages that he doesn't understand. He has an interpreter. We're praying for the, the team in, in Chicago that are packing up t- sometime today, heading back. we're praying for their safe travel. We're praying for others for the health. We're praying for just different concerns that we have. And we know that God listens. How many of you have a friend that uses you as a sounding board, never really allowing you to talk? Don't name that person out loud, okay? (laughs) Don't name me, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right we relish those times we run into that person right i want to ask you the question when we read about god having a converse not only does god listen but god can talk you know those idols that they worshipped in nineveh you know the god of of yogurt okay uh, the, the God of sunny days, the God of rainy days. They, they had a little statue for everything. You could do what? You could talk to that. In essence, you would feel like that little piece of, of wood or stone, even if it was pretty shiny gold, was listening. Right? Because you were talking to it, and you assumed, "I'm, hey, dear God of whatever, I, I want to tell you what I need. And you assumed that it listened. The difference between that rock and God is this. The God that you pray to, the God that I pray to, the God that you'll even be invited to pray to later during the service, not only can he hear, not only can he answer, the stone can't answer. So far, when I read in the Scripture, the only thing stones were good at doing, idle stones were falling over. It's all they're capable of, and and God helped them. So when I when I read this, not only can God hear my prayers, not only can God answer my prayers, God can talk back to me. How many of you have a prayer time where you expect God to talk back to you? How many of you have listening ears when you pray? As I walk through Jonah chapter 4, it reminds me, not only do I just come to God and unload, I need to stick around and see what he says. Because the God that we worship is a God of conversation. This is not the only place that we see it, but this is a good reminder that the God that we pray to, the God that will walk us through our our issues, because that's what he's doing here with Jonah. Jonah. He's walking Jonah to a better place. He's going to walk us to a better place. But that, that means that there needs to be some discussion about what's going on. What does God want? And God, not only can he listen, not only can he answer, but he can talk back to us. Right? So keep that in mind. God teaches is another thing. As We talk about what, when God is talking to Jonah, God is teaching Jonah. When did we see that acted out so that we can get an idea of this? Remember when God sent his only begotten son? What did Jesus do? Well, he, he got 12 disciples and he walked around and he taught them as he went, and he taught others in the Sermon on the Mount, etc. He talked to those people. Jesus taught. We see that as God is talking to Jonah that he's teaching Jonah was not compassionate. I mean, that's, that's something that when you're walking through here, Jonah doesn't seem like that warm, fuzzy guy, at least towards the people of Nineveh. He is not compassionate. God wants him to have compassion for these people. So this is a teaching lesson because Jonah in this book is not anything like God. Matter of fact, when I'm reading through the commentaries, it uses the word the anti- read about Moses, we read about Peter, we, I want to be, you know, I kind of want to be that guy, right? I want, I'm going to be Paul. If you read about Jonah, who's signing up to be Jonah? Yeah, it includes a fish and, and getting your head scorched, okay? And, and being a, I mean, he doesn't seem like the warm, friendly guy, does he? Nobody wants to be Jonah. He gets presented an anti-hero. God is teaching Jonah. As a matter of fact, as he sits there, I, I, don't, don't you love the picture of this in your mind? Jonah goes someplace like this picture, and he gets a vantage point looking down on the city. He's, he's in, as best as I can tell, a grandstand is what he's doing. He's in the bleachers. He's waiting for the, the popcorn salesman to come by. Because he wants to watch the show that he wants God to bring. He wants to watch that show that God's going to bring. Because here's the deal. He wants God to destroy the enemy here. He wanted God to destroy the enemy. And Jonah, is, in one of the phrases that was used, Jonah is waiting for God to come around to his way of thinking. That sounds harsh, but how many times have we done the very same thing? Maybe not as dramatic, maybe not in front of the whole world for all of history as Jonah did here, but we, we, we believe this needs to happen, and so we spend our time asking God to do what we want instead of doing what God wants. So here we are, God's teaching Jonah. Do you remember that the, the, this came to mind as I was thinking about J- Jonah's lack of compassion? Because Jesus tells us a story about a man who, he tells us a parable, a story about a man who, was, who owed a lot of money. And he was brought before the guy he owed money to, and he was going to send him off to prison. And the guy begged and pleaded, and he was forgiven a large sum You can read it in Matthew, and you can find the the exact figures there. And he's forgiven. He's pardoned. The The guy gets it and forgives him. And as soon as that guy walks out, all happy and excited, he sees somebody that owes him a quarter. Figures are off, right? And he puts him in jail. He didn't have any compassion. We want compassion but we often don't want to give it. Think about that. How many of us are guilty of wanting God's compassion, embracing God's compassion, but not wanting to give it? That's where Jonah's at. And so God, even in the plant, is teaching Jonah to be like him. That's our goal, isn't it? Our goal is not to be a better version of somebody else or even a better version of our own self. Our goal is to be Christ-like. And that's what God was teaching Jonah to be, was like him. Not like a better Jonah. Not like somebody that was better than the people of Nineveh. He was teaching them to be like him. That's what God, in the process of sanctification with you, is doing. He doesn't want a better you. He wants a you that's striving to be Like Christ, God is compassionate. That's how this starts out. God is compassionate. God is compassionate. I've experienced that compassion. I hope that you have too. If you haven't, we're going to give you that opportunity to experience His compassion, right? The forgiveness. Because I'm not worthy of being ever standing before his throne. But because Jesus died for me and I got it, I understood that I couldn't earn it and I asked for forgiveness of my sins. I've experienced the compassion of God. As God is teaching Jonah with the plant that grows up, Withers away, to suffer. God ends the book with the eleventh verse. Now I want you to think about this, as we talk about the 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 should I not have compassion on these hundred and twenty thousand? It seems like it's just an abrupt ending. You, I, my favorite movie has. An abrupt ending. It's like it can't end on this note. I mean, the, the people in the theater didn't move. Nobody stayed. No, nobody in 1980 something sticks around to watch the credits roll. Now we do because we watched the Cars movie. Okay, but nobody stuck around at that time. That movie ended, and everybody sit there, and it's like, it can't end that way. Jonah ends on a strange note. It doesn't. It, we don't know what happens to Jonah. Does Jonah get it? Does Jonah then have compassion? But the question is, do you and I have compassion? God says to Jonah, should I not have compassion? Should I not have compassion on these souls? They don't know the right hand from their left. That's how he describes these people. They they don't have the knowledge that they need to know so they can know him. God asked Jonah about that. You You had compassion on the plant. How many of you talk to your plants? Never mind. Okay. Right. He had compassion on the plant. He had more compassion on the plant than he had on the people. Those people of nearly 120,000 people, who created them? Whose image were they created in? The guy or the gal that you don't like, the people group that you don't like. Who created them? Whose image are they made in? Do you understand the parallel here? As we get we we've always had somebody that we didn't like. Always. I grew up, the the Russians were bad, right? They're still bad, okay? We've always had somebody we didn't like. God reminds Jonah, and he reminds us, that I created all of those people. They have like us. They've gone astray. They have not worshipped God. They've not sought him out. But yet God is a compassionate God. God, rather than destroying the people like Jonah wanted, God raised Jonah up and sent Jonah because God loved those people. Where do we stand? You know, because Nobody wants to be Jonah, and nobody wants to be thought of like Jonah, a guy without compassion for God's creation. But yet at times, if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in that very same spot where we have people that we're just, we're in the grandstands waiting for God to take that person out, our country, our people group, whatever it might be. God has a compassion. And God's desire is for those people to turn. It doesn't always happen. But it can. And the the book of Jonah is evidence of an evil people that one day repented in sackcloth and ashes. And because they did so, God relented. In other words, he didn't bring down the judgment on them at that point. It would come later for Nineveh, for the Assyrian people. But God at that point, because they had repented, relented from his actions that he was going to take. And they were spared. God's love and compassion. In all of my study with the book of Jonah, this was my favorite quote, because it puts it in terms that we know. Let's say John three sixteen together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay. We know that verse. It's almost football season. And when we turn on the TV, there's going to be somebody in the stands and we'll see it on our TV screen. John three sixteen. We know that, right? But do we live it? Do we embrace it? Here's what it said in the book. It says, John 3.16 starts here in Nineveh with Jonah. God so loves the world that he raised Jonah up so that they might hear and they, they might repent. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's not just the God of of Emmanuel Baptist Church, he's the god of the entire world. Every one of the people all around the globe that we're trying to carry the message to, God created. Why did he create them? He created them so that they might be true worshipers of him. They just don't get it. They don't know the right hand from their left hand. And because of that, they're making their actions according to that. We need to go out there and share the gospel so that they might do exactly what Nineveh did and understand and embrace the love of God that he has for the entire world. What's your action steps? What are we going to do with this? I've stated some things, but here, let's talk and listen. So, what's that mean? How many of you going to pray this week? All your hands need to go up, <laughs> okay? And so that, that's just, I, all of you, I want you to pray this week. Now, here's the catch, because we don't always do this very well, me included. I want you to stop long enough to listen. I have a prayer book in my office that I was given a long time ago, back in, in the 80s. And it was a 2959 plan. And you're reading through there. Here's all these things that I need to, to do to pray. And and, and I'm and it, there all of a sudden there's this page about I need to stop and, and shut up. And listen. That's what I want you to do. Okay? Go ahead, stumble into prayer, into your prayer room, and list all the things, just like a wheelbarrow emptying out. But when you get done, I want you to be silent enough that if God wants to speak to you, that He has that time, that you're you're doing that on purpose. They say, it takes a In a group, it takes a minute and 20 seconds for an adult to come up with an answer. God's much faster than that, but could you give him a minute and 20 seconds? Okay? Second thing is learn from God's Word. That's what Jonah... Jonah knew that God was compassionate. Let's learn it. Okay, let's keep learning from God's Word. That means reading God's Word. That means studying God's Word. Let's read and study and learn from God's Word and extend... The compassion of God. That's what Jonah was asked to do. Jonah didn't do very well. Let's be the anti-Jonah and extend God's compassion. And here's what I wanted to ask. I want to ask you to do. What's that mean? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. It's easy to love. He tells us this too. You can look it up in the, the fifth chapter. It's easy to love the people that love you, that like you. Anybody can do that. Matter of fact, the people that the, the audience thought they were superior did the, even that. God asked you to be different. So here's what I wanted to ask. Here's the hard ask, okay? Talk and listen you thought was hard, learning's pretty easy. Just, it just requires you to read. The, the last one, I want you to take it up another notch, past the listen thing. And I want you to to pray for somebody you don't like. Somebody that you would consider to be your enemy. It doesn't even mean you have to know them. okay? We we, we don't like, we hate a lot of people we don't know. I want you to pray for that person or that people. That they might see God as the people of Nineveh. And turn and repent. Okay? That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Adam's going to come up here. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song. And as we stand, you guys are going to have an opportunity to respond. In other words, as God, as we, this week, not just today, God has been working in your life. It may be this morning that you want to respond to that. You may be called to preach and want to come to the preaching lab tomorrow night. You may be called to go on mission someplace. You may be called just, I just want to come. I'm not going to wait till I go home to pray for my enemy. I'm going to come and pray for my enemy now. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, I don't want you to go to Tarshish. I want you to come to the altar and bring it to God. Know that as you come forward, that the people that don't move with you, it's going to be their job to pray for you and with you. Let's stand.
0: when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh fullness of god in helpless babe this gift of love and righteousness scored by the ones he came to save till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of christ i live
3: lord in prayer father thank you for your word today and father i pray that we would go out and father be bearers of your image father to love on the people as you have loved on them in jesus name amen so don't run off don't move yet Kayla, where is Kayla? We come on up here. Kayla is one of our college students, and she's getting ready to go. All right, she is headed off to, to, to the other side of Denver, okay? When, when you're, you're in Central Missouri, what college are you at? University of Central Missouri, you don't have a microphone, so I'll tell them, okay? I'll be your interpreter today. Okay, so she's going out there, and I don't know if, when we drove to Denver, the next exit was Denver, okay? That's how far it is, okay? So parents, Michael? my
1: dad's driving the bus.
3: Okay, there he is. Okay, he's here. All right. Uh, Sunday school teacher, and grandma and grandpa, if you want to come up here too. That's fine. Um. If if you're on Highway 70 this week on Thursday early in the morning, you'll see a caravan. Okay, <laughs> breaker breaker, they'll be singing convoy. Okay, <laughs> the, the, she's just she's got just a few things to take, so they've rented a semi. <laughs> Is that right? Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, I mostly say things like that to her because if you've ever been around her. She has had this down since she was yay tall. She can roll her eyes around three times. Especially you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? I get more eye roll than most people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so. And the rest of you totally understand. Hey, you know, we're going to pray for you. It's been good to have visitors in the house. I... I uh, have Dennis over here, his wife, I was in their wedding and we just ran across one another a couple weeks ago, so we hadn't seen each other for a long, long time, good to have you here, my aunt and uncle here, we have other visitors in the house, and so make sure they feel welcome, they, won't, they, they might come back, okay, uh, my aunt and uncle won't for a while, because they're in Nashville, okay, <laughs> so, so, but, uh, but thank you guys for being here, let's pray for, for Kayla and... Um, Father, just want to pray for Kayla, Lord. As she goes off to college, and Father, we have others entering a different stage in their life, Father, whom she represents from our church. Father, we just pray that uh, that you would be with her, not only for the safe travel out to college to get settled in, but Father, for settling into college life and all that that means. Father, help her be a light to those around her. Uh, Father, be with her family, Lord, who will miss her dearly. Uh, her sisters no longer have a ride at this point. And so, Father, the, uh, they, they at least will miss her for that. And Father, we just want to pray for the adjustments that the family has to make. And, Father, just pray that, that Kayla might find a, a good group of Christians to be part of, Lord, be it a church or a study group there at school. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay. You can all go home now.